And then we come across this little kid. Amy, do you think Nathan Fillion knows that somebody cloned him? Did you <laughs> see this kid? I think that's his illegitimate kid. <laughs> it has to be! Fucking Ark on the 7th here, it's his face! <laughs> I was in shock! I had to pause the show! Welcome to the Marvelous Madness Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. So we usually reserve any shout outs that we have till the end of the episode, but I feel it's appropriate today to start it off with one. Uh-huh. So uh, my golden retriever, Logan, would like to thank the uh, creative team behind Hawkeye for all of the extra cuddles and treats he has already received today, and it is 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, Pizza Dog looks adorable. Oh my god, I mean it. I teared up a little bit. I could not handle this dog seeing him all dirty and wet and hungry and missing his eye and almost getting hit by the cars. He looks, and Amy will attest to this, he looks just like my boy. Yeah, he does. I am distressed. <laughs> and I would like to add that that she just asked me, where did they find a golden retriever with one eye? <laughs> That's how traumatized I am. I had to remind her that this is Marvel and it is CGI. I hope. I hope too, because there are one-eyed dogs out there. <laughs> True, but the way this dog... The way the eye has been closed, it's CGI. It has to be CGI. I'm trying not to think about it. <laughs> but aside from that, and even because of that, it added so much heart, for me at least, I thoroughly enjoyed these first two episodes of Hawkeye. Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed it as well. All hail Kate Bishop and Haley Steinfeld, because she is fucking fantastic. She is. She is really good. Yeah. And from the jump, I appreciate them letting us know this is her show. Yeah. We start off with her. Mm -hmm. We spend most of episode one with her. True. Yeah. And I got to say, it was a little jarring, a little weird. I don't think I've ever heard Jeremy Renner speak this much. <laughs> Yeah, no wonder he's looking so tired. So many <laughs> lines to remember. <laughs> yeah, and you know what, everybody? This show is a great reminder that Jeremy Renner is a two-time Oscar nominee for a reason. He yeah. is doing yeah. a fantastic job at playing all of these layers of Clint Barton because there are many. Yes, indeed. And I am not one of those people who enjoys Christmas music. I had to return something to Cole's. Two weeks ago, I walked in and I heard Mariah Carey and um, wanted to hang myself from a light fixture. Well, I mean, to be fair, Christmas music in November is a bit much. It is. It's quite a lot much. Nonetheless, I loved the Christmassy feel of this show, especially the music. Yeah, I think they put it in very nicely to give it that vibe. Yeah, it's not annoying. It's not shoving Christmas down our throats. It enhances the show. Yes, it does. 
one could say that the whole Christmas feeling is its own character in the show so far. Yes, I agree. And I think the writing is fantastic. There were women in the room. Finally. Thank God. <laughs> I shouldn't say finally. It's just, it feels refreshing after Shang-Chi. If you haven't listened to our episode on that, take a listen after this. We were not pleased with the treatment of women there. And so this was a breath of fresh air. Yes, absolutely. Overall, I think the writing, I mean, if you think about it, the shows so far, the quality of the writing and uh, the themes that we're covering have been excellent. And by comparison, the movies now seem like a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to get a little concerned. Save us, Mr. Parker. Save us. Although although we have yet to watch The Eternals, so we ha- we don't have a verdict on that one yet. True. This is based on the last two movies we've seen, which is Black Widow and Shang-Chi. Yes. And like you just said, the show's really upping the game here. I think Hawkeye is continuing very much the spirit of Falcon and the Winter Soldier in terms of making us look back on things differently, understanding realities better. And uh, we're going to get into that. Yeah. And I feel overall that it's a pretty grounded show like Falcon and the Winter Soldier was. Definitely. All right. So let's dive right into episode one, shall we? No, but okay. (laughs) Amy's got some feelings today. Yeah. So I thought this was a very well executed cold open. Yes, it was very well executed. It told us a lot about Kate in a very short period of time. Oh, it sure did. There's that succinct exposition Marvel is normally excellent with. Yes. However, I don't know how you felt, but as soon as I saw 2012 pop up on the screen, I said, "Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. True. Nothing good will happen here. Yeah, I actually thought for a moment that we were close to the Sanctum Santorum for a second. Probably were. Not that far. I mean, maybe Manhattan's a tiny island when it comes down to it. Okay. I don't know where the hell they got this little girl from. I was half thinking maybe she's Haley Steinfeld's sister because this kid was perfect. Yeah, she was really good. How old do you think she was there? Uh, nine or ten, I'd say. Yeah, around, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we are shown immediately, and importantly, shown, not told. Excellent job, writers. We know that Kate is a daddy's girl. And also, she already had an interest in archery and martial arts, even before the events of 2012. Yes. And also importantly, because this is going to come up later on, she's clearly been brought up in wealth and privilege. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the house, you can see that. Yes. Absolutely. That is an enormous penthouse in Manhattan. That is just, I don't have enough zeros for that. (laughs) That house reminded me of those Gossip Girl houses that we see. If you say so. Yeah, I am ashamed that I I admit that I've seen that show. I left it after a point, but yeah. I was going to say, I'm kind of appalled that you know that. Yeah, it's it's my shame. It's it's my burden to bear. (laughs) Now, I got to wonder. How many takes did it take for Vera Farmiga to catch that damn carrot in her mouth? I think that is CG as well. Oh, come on! (laughs) She caught that damn carrot. There is something called CG. I don't think so. I mean, if it's real, that's great. I'm glad that she didn't choke. But that would have taken a very long time to do and too many (laughs) carrots consumed. 
<laughs> She'd probably have like Superman vision at the end of that. So as expected, here come the Chitauri and they look an awful lot better than they did in 2012, don't they? <laughs> hey, give it a break, okay? The CG has improved a lot since then. Oh, I know. I'm complimenting it. Okay, all right. Yeah, they look great. And it's nice to see the invasion from a different perspective. Yeah, about that. This is a hard one to swallow for me. (laughs) So we talked uh, during Falcon and the Winter Soldier about the aftermath of the blip and whether or not the Avengers actually did the right thing. And specifically, we talked a lot about Tony this year and how especially for him, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And we've seen a lot of his decisions that he thought were for the greater good, that he thought were benefiting humanity, actually turn out to be really harmful for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And here, I think this is a great tie-in with all of these Disney Plus shows, bringing this all together and bringing it back to the last show we saw, because this is a reminder of what we haven't really gotten before. The only glimpse of life after the Battle of New York that we got was in Spider-Man Homecoming. And we saw what happened to Adrian Toomes' company. Right. But here, here we see the human aftermath. We see this little girl who we already like losing her father, who was her world. And it's just a reminder to everybody, especially people like me, Mr. Laufison, you have a lot of atoning to do, sir. Indeed. And in the midst of all this chaos, great moment here. There's a lot of well done (laughs) slow motion, as we'll see also in episode two. (laughs) Kate sees Hawkeye, you know, doing hero stuff. Right. Yeah. And that I think is done really well as well. I loved it. It was fantastic continuity from the Avengers. Yeah, it was. They've taken scenes from there and, of course, added in a few other scenes from a different angle. And they've done it in a very clever way, because obviously if Jeremy Renner tries to do those scenes again, it'll look different. Right. And beyond the fact that he's 10 years older. That's exactly why it'll look very different. Yeah. So they did it in a very clever way. We don't really see his face. Mm-hmm. The only time we see his face is from the, from the actual shots from the Avengers. Right. And then we get what I think might be like my favorite opening credit sequence of anything ever. Yeah. So they used the credit sequence as exposition. Yeah. Brilliant. It's fantastic. Yeah. Because we saw little Kate at her father's funeral making the decision then and there, I need a bow and arrow. And then we are just treated to this animated story of her life for the past 10 years. 12 years. 12 years. Right. God damn it. I'm already <laughs> lucky I know what day it is in real life. I can't handle blip time. That's very comforting to know as your partner. <laughs> and we see how physically strong she is with gymnastics and archery and fencing and the tremendous mental discipline all of that takes. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because a young girl of her privilege. The fact that she is so grounded and she's so disciplined is telling. It's very telling about who she is as a character. Yeah. And you know what this credit journey we see actually reminds me of? You would know this since you don't watch horror movies, but 
anybody who's seen the uh, 2018 Halloween, Laurie Strode and her reaction to, since that was a direct sequel to the original Halloween, her reaction is like just as extreme in a way, becoming that crazy old lady who barricades herself in her house and just has a complete fortress and, you know, trains her daughter and all this weaponry and everything. It's a similar extreme reaction to trauma. And Kate wouldn't see it that way. She's too young to understand that she has PTSD Mm -hmm. from not only the Chitauri invasion, but her father's death. But that is without question the defining moment of her life. And she has been defining herself based on those events ever since. Though I don't think she realizes that on a conscious level. Yeah, absolutely. And it's understandable for her for that to be her defining moment alien invasion or not losing your dad at a young age especially when she was so close to him would be right and her reaction is also not dissimilar to sarah connor from the terminator series Mm -hmm. and personally i can see where she's coming from because i lost my dad when i was 12 years old and i'm in therapy now since a couple of months and just on monday i was speaking to my therapist about the loss of my aunt uh, a couple of years ago in 2018 and I was with her when she died and how helpless I felt because I wasn't able to do anything for her and there was there's this sense of guilt that I have and I know that soon after she passed away I started looking into courses for emergency first aid how to do CPR and you know all that sort of stuff It's a natural reaction. I understand where she's coming from. She immediately has gone into protection mode. Right. It's the idea of if this ever happens again, I'll be ready. Yes, exactly. And that was my thinking too. And it's also a way of trying to gain control after something crazy that happened. Definitely. And so we see this great grounded kid through all of this, but then we are very quickly reminded that she is still 22 and a moron. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to know too, is this going to be a running theme now on the Disney Plus shows? Characters losing a bet, but we don't never find out what the bet is. (laughs) Because I need to know. I'm sure it's something silly. They're young. Yeah. And we should say now that we both agree that Haley Steinfeld looks more like 18, 19. Yes. And that is exactly the reason why I refused to answer your question earlier when you sent it to me. (laughs) But she is nearly 25 in real life. So, yes, but she looks very young and it feels icky. So this is a Peter Parker situation. And oh, man, are there shades of Peter Parker in her. (laughs) And just for the record, the question she asked me was, do I need a cold shower because of Kate Bishop? (laughs) so the answer is no i get it i get it because i still see a teenager when i look at 25 year old tom holland so i get it (laughs) yeah so kate's ego wins the day here she just has to make that bell ring and in the process completely destroys this clock tower yeah but you can't deny that the ingenuity and the skill was there i mean she could do it she and she did it Just because she could doesn't mean that she should. True, but that's something that 
you know, old people like us can think about. You sound like John Hammond and I don't like it. (laughs) So we leave Kate for a little bit and we head over to the theater district. Oh my God. When I heard that guy singing, I could do this all day. (laughs) I need to... I would pay $100 to watch a video of Chris Evans watching this episode. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm grateful that Cap is either dead or on the moon and he hasn't been able to see this. <laughs> Who put this musical number together? I need to know them. I need to meet them because this is simultaneously... The greatest and worst thing I have ever seen. Yeah, yeah. It's, I started laughing when he went on. I could do, go do this all day and just went on. I was like, oh my God, make it stop. Yes. <laughs> and judging by Clint's face, he felt the same way. Yeah, but he felt like that for a very different reason. Yes, but I think it was a combo too. Like, we're going to see his son asked him, why is everyone singing and dancing about this? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's when he sees Nat that we see what Clint is really dealing with in these episodes. The guy's been to hell and back. Yeah, he has. He's been through a lot. He's lost his closest friend. He's done terrible things. That's going to come and bite him in the ass. Yeah, he might be more screwed up than anybody at this point. I think he's got Juan to beat. I don't know. I guess it's everyone's dealing with different stuff in in different ways and dealing with different things. It would be wrong to compare. Yeah, that's true. And he is also now uh, canonically deaf. Yes, which is comic book accurate. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Yeah, and then we get another glimpse at post-blip life, how he might be conflicted. Normally, I hate any, like, men at the urinal scene, but this worked, and it wasn't gross. Yeah, it wasn't gross, but the dude, come on, man, boundaries. (laughs) Yes, yes. And we see the little bit of writing, Thanos was right, written on the porcelain. And it makes me wonder how Clint feels about this. Well, in the scene itself, he kind of shrugged it off. He doesn't react. And it's because, yeah. and I think it's because he can't. This is a Clint Barton who is so numb. He's not feeling much of anything these days. Yeah, that's true. And he's dealing with his own things right now to be thinking about the morality of what's done. Yeah, I think uh, Clint's like an iceberg right now. Uh-huh. We're only seeing the very, very top of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's by design, because if he does dig deeper, I think he will collapse. Yeah, I agree. And this is another moment. We had this moment on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where as a Marvel fan, I'm like, oh, God, no, no, Clint's going to fall apart. But as that little girl who grew up watching inside the actor's studio, oh, my God, I can't wait to see Jeremy Renner do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder how deep and how dark they're going to go, because... There is a lot here to mine, and Mm. I think they can go really dark, but it is a Disney show. Right. So we leave Clint and the kids, and we head over to Kate going to see her mother, Eleanor. Yeah. 
this is one of those instances where I look at somebody and say, I don't like your face. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with Vera Farmiga. I think she's doing a great job here. Yeah, she's done a good job. She's 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 fantastic. Oh, yeah. I do not like Eleanor Bishop at all. What is it about her that you don't like? A few things. So obviously there's tension in this relationship. Mothers and daughters always going to be. Mm-hmm. Some more than others. Yes. And we saw Kate's journey in that opening credits, but we don't know what the mother's gone through in these last 12 years. So I will be fair in that regard to her. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem like it was the maybe the best marriage. I don't know, but they were still together and she was clearly very upset when her husband passed away. But here, Eleanor acts like Kate is this super spoiled, privileged kid. And it's like, yeah, to a significant degree, she absolutely is privileged. But she does it in a way that doesn't acknowledge her own. Like she, you know, is calling her a rich kid. And I'm like, lady, have you seen your apartment? And you've been very rich now for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, you know what? You look like you're wearing curtains. So why don't you shut up? <laughs> I think the dress was nice. I didn't think it was a bad dress. But I think there is a bit of a disconnect between the two of them for sure. I don't think her mother is trying to point fingers at her. When she says that you're rich, that you're, you have been rich your whole life, She's not saying it as a complaint. She's saying it as a fact. Well, there's something else here, too. And it's going to take more episodes to get to the bottom of things with Eleanor. But the way she's talking about Kate destroying this clock tower, she makes it seem like the kid accidentally threw her ball through somebody's window. Like, this is a major underreaction. Like, all you did was cancel her credit cards? If this kid wasn't rich, white, and beautiful, she'd be in a jail cell. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then on one hand that Eleanor is saying that Kate is a spoiled brat and then you're saying that she isn't reacting to a huge fuck up that Kate did. That's how you have spoiled brats. It's a weird thing because she's going to, this isn't the first time Eleanor is going to majorly underreact to something regarding her daughter. Yeah, I think that's the crux to the character over here. So we know that from the cold open that Kate obviously was closer to her dad. And since she was a kid, Kate and her mom didn't have a good relationship. So I wouldn't be surprised if Eleanor was trying to keep things calm, not reacting, not being a parent in order to be on Kate's good side. Maybe they could take it in a few different directions. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, they could. We don't know exactly what's going on with her, but we do know that they had money problems Mm -hmm. and now somehow the money problems are not there or so we think. Oh, I think they are. Yes. And the other thing here too with their relationship, her mom is just finding out about this new medal, this like huge deal of a tournament. She didn't even know about it. Is it a disinterested mother or is it a daughter who doesn't want to tell her mother? It's interesting. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And the flip side also about the engagement. So clearly they're not communicating. Oh, the engagement. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 fuck this guy. 
fuck Jack from the moment he appears. <laughs> Man, you and your mustache buddy can take a fucking hike. Look, I'm someone who has been blessed with a lot of hair. So I know the pain of waxing. And all I wanted to do with Jack was wax his mustache off. That is an I'm a bad guy mustache if I've ever seen one. <laughs> yeah. You know who he is? Yes, I do. I watched Better Call Saul. Okay. No, I was setting myself up for a joke, but sure. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I burst your bubble. Yes, you did. Just a bit. <laughs> yeah, Tony Dalton was fantastic on Better Call Saul, and he's great here. Oh, God, do I loathe this guy. Yes, but he, in this show, reminds me of a knockoff version of Pedro Pascal. I see what you mean. Yep. Specifically from Wonder Woman 84. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what were you thinking, Pedro? He did a good job in the show. It, 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 yeah. That's the problem. We're not getting into that. That's the problem. He We're was... not getting into that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> One day, everybody, if Pedro Pascal or Kristen Wiig joins the MCU, we will cover Wonder Woman 84 in a five-hour Patreon episode. <laughs> or Gal Gadot. I'd be happy with that. Okay, so while Kate is uh, getting ready for this gala, we head back over to Clinton, the kids who are out to eat. Yeah, and this scene really hit me hard. Yeah. It's a little cringy. It's heartbreaking. It's sad when you really look at it. Yeah. And Jeremy Renner did it fantastically. Mm -hmm. The kids are great. For a change, the kids are not annoying, which usually tends to be in so many shows and movies. I agree. They're cute. They're funny. Yeah. I love their chemistry. Yeah. And yeah. That, that little Ava Russo especially does a great job. Yeah. She's, she's sweet. And Clint, what we see from Clint here is what you see from a lot of, say, divorced dads who don't get that much time with their kids. And I wonder how much of this comes from real life for him as a single dad. He's overcompensating. Yeah. And it makes sense to for him to feel like that because he didn't have his kids for five years. Mm -hmm. And he is overcompensating. He's gotten a second chance with his family. And it almost seems like he's trying to make up for yes. it. Yes. Yep. Even though it's not his fault. Right. And they didn't miss anything. Exactly. But more than that, there's something about him that seems just so sad. Yeah. Underneath it. It's like he's wearing this mask, this dad mask, this husband mask. He's trying so hard to be the father and man he once was. But he's just not. How could he be? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the way he was behaving, it reminded me a lot of me in a way. Because I've been through a depressive episode. And I remember, especially when I was spending time with my niece, who I love to bits, but she's a kid. Yeah. Well, at the time, she was a kid. And I wanted to be that happy and funny and you know, wanting to give her a good time and make her have good memories with me. But it didn't feel real. Like I was going through the motions. And here it seems like Clint is going through the motions. He wants to do it, mm -hmm. but he can't feel it. Yep. 
I agree 100%. He doesn't know how to do this anymore. Yeah. He's forgotten what normal feels like. Yeah. And who wouldn't? True. But there is one thing that we know for sure. This man loves his children more than anything in the world. Absolutely. And he needs a lot of therapy. And if he doesn't get home for Christmas, I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) Yeah, I hope that the show ends with the camera panning out with these guys having their Christmas evening or morning or whatever it is. And if it involves Jeremy Renner wearing a Santa costume, I'm fine with that. Okay, but I don't think I can deal with anything sadder than that. (laughs) The dog is going to be there. So get ready. That's fine. I'm good with the dog. The dog is adorable. (laughs) So we leave dinner and head over to this ritzy gala. Now I have a question for you. Yes. Do you think Kate wore the tux because she wanted to wear the tux or because her mother told her to wear the red dress? Both. Okay. And she looked fantastic in the tux. I think it's more the fact that her mom asked her to wear the dress. I'm going to say like 80-20, I think. Uh-huh. Okay. And this is another way we see that in one way or another, Kate's entire life has been defined by her relationships with her parents. Love and devotion to one and rebellion against the other. Mm-hmm. So right away, she is approached by an older gentleman named Armand. Yeah. Now, this guy is probably a bastard and a criminal, but I couldn't help but like him. Eh, I didn't really care for him. I liked him because he seems genuine with Kate without being, like, condescending to a young woman. It didn't come off that way to me. He seemed genuine. He showed respect for her by being honest with her and how he feels about this whole engagement because I think he could read it from her too that she wasn't crazy about this as soon as he told her yeah but that could also be interpreted as he's playing to his audience maybe and that was another point against Eleanor how the hell do you not tell your kid about this right away especially when you're going to a place full of people who know about the engagement yeah that's the thing the relationship between the two of them it's it's very distant It is, but it isn't at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very mixed. They clearly care for each other. That's for sure. But there is this distance in their relationship. There's this bridge that they can't seem to cross. Yeah, yeah. And I personally know exactly what that one's like. And then we come across this little kid. Amy, do you think Nathan Fillion knows that somebody cloned him? Did you see this kid? I think that's his illegitimate kid. <laughs> it has to be. Fucking arm on the seventh here. It's his face. <laughs> I was in shock. I had to pause the show. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad that the kid didn't last very long. He moved on because he is annoying as fuck. Yeah, well, he acted like a little adult. It was creepy, which is another reason I'm like, Nathan, what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, see, this is the kind of behavior you expect from a kid with that kind of privilege. But Mm. Kate is absolutely not that person. Right. And so now we head over to deal with mom and Jack. And when Jack first appeared, so the first thing I thought was, this guy's an asshole. Second thing I thought was, 
He really also looks like Kate's dad. Yeah, there is a certain similarity. Yeah, which leads me to think that there is going to be some kind of emotional reckoning between mother and daughter here. That at some point, we're going to find out what the mother's been through in these last 12 years and how lonely maybe she's been. And Mm -hmm. how, you know, Kate, you're not the only one who misses your father. That kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. And that could maybe be an explanation for one of the reasons she's gotten caught up with Jack. That's assuming she doesn't know what he's about because there's a lot of stuff happening here. We've got more than one iceberg. Yeah. And I have a bit of a conspiracy theory, which I'm not sure whether to say or not. You cannot deny me a conspiracy theory after you say it. (laughs) It's possible maybe the dad's not dead. No way. Hear me out. So in the comics, Kate's dad is a villain. All right. And in the cold open, when mom and dad are fighting, it's clear that they're having money problems. Right. And that's why she says they need to sell the penthouse. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, I'll figure it out. And she tells him that it's not going to just fall out from the sky. The wording was very specific. And this was before the attack started. Right. Had this happened post uh, Battle of New York, it's a different story. But she said this, and then he dies, and we don't see his body. What if he faked his death to get the insurance money to keep his daughter protected, like he promised he would? You think he took the opportunity of the Battle of New York? Yes. And in this scenario, would Eleanor be in on it? I'm not sure. I'm in two minds about it. She could be, it's possible, but she could also genuinely not know about it. I'm leaning more towards she might know. Damn it. (laughs) I convinced you. You haven't convinced me, but you've established a possibility in my mind. Uh Yeah, I don't know whether this could come into play this season or perhaps the next once Kate is a little more established as the hero that she is going to be. Okay. So Kate needs some air who wouldn't at this point and heads outside. I was not prepared. Yeah. He's cute. Uh, he wrecked and I don't me. know where he showed up from. Yeah. I just wanted to hug my boy and I couldn't because I was on the treadmill and he was still sleeping upstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he runs away behind a car. Uh, you know, at this point, I was half wondering if this dog had supernatural powers. <laughs> like, is this a ghost dog? Is he is he going to lead the way to something? Is this a, a sort of pet cemetery situation? What's happening? What are you watching? Because <laughs> <laughs> he just appeared out of nowhere looking like Lassie, like he was going to do something helpful, you know, which he does. Yeah. Later on. Right. I just want to think the best of Goldens whenever I see them. Uh-huh. So Kate heads back in to overhear Armand and her mother arguing. This bitch is up yeah. to no good. Someone's bias is showing. I, it is. I do not like her at all. <laughs> I think there's certainly a lot of gray in her. Um, let's see what she's done. I do think maybe she 
owes a lot of money to Armand, perhaps. Yeah, I think she's dirty somehow. Maybe it's dirty because of the whole father situation. Maybe. And Kate wants to know as badly as we do. So she heads downstairs, blends in with the waitstaff. And I give her credit, a little bit of credit, because she is smart. She's observant. She's pretty quick on her feet. But uh, immaturity wins the day with her. Yes, absolutely. And that's the point. This, I believe Hawkeye, the show, is Kate's coming of age story. Absolutely. Which is great, because if she wasn't an idiot, we wouldn't have a show. Yeah. So we see there is a black market auction underway for what seems to be like all the remnants of the wreckage from the Avengers compound at the end of Endgame. Yeah. And that's where the whole story really begins. Yes. The Ronin sword. And I love this because they did such a great job of setting the table. We have stuff here that's coming up where you say, oh... And they do it without anything feeling predictable. It's more like the satisfaction of when puzzle pieces fit together perfectly, you know? Mm-hmm. So a little more exposition here. We find out that Ronan took out nearly the entirety of organized crime in New York City. Yeah. And clearly we know from Endgame that he didn't just stop at New York City. No. So Jack and Armand are talking here, and it's clear there's no love lost between uncle and nephew here. Based on this conversation, I think Jack is broke. Yeah, he is. And I think he is a gold digger. I don't know. Half of me thinks maybe he's got her completely snowed, regardless of the fact that she's a CEO, like smart women fall for this kind of shit all the time. But she's into some shady shit, too. Yeah. So that's why I think they're both not telling each other what the real story is. And they're both thinking that they're conning the other. Yeah. It's like, who knows what and how much and when? Because it's hard to say how much Armin knows, too. Yeah, that's true. But he does seem to know that, one, his nephew is broke. And two, he even hinted it to Kate that... Things are not what they seem with her mom. Right, because he does not like her. Yeah, he does not. So there's something going on over there. And also, we're looking at everything over here from Kate's perspective. Even though she's part of the family, she's been living on her own and she's been away away at school. So she's kind of discovering her family over here for the first time and what seems to be going on. Yeah, so uh, these two basically whip their dicks out and have a little contest here for the Ronin suit. Yeah, well, uncle wins. Yes, and that's when shit hits the fan. Yeah, so the tracksuit mafia have attacked. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And they want a watch, which kind of fits with their aesthetic. Yes, gold chains, watches, yep. Yeah, yeah. But what the hell is this watch? And it's from the Avengers compound, so it's got to be something specific, something important. What the hell is it? I have no idea. I want to (laughs) know. So does Kate, which is why she puts on that damn Ronin suit like a moron. Yep. And I really like the fact that she's wearing the suit. It's clearly not been tailored for her. Right. And they leave it that way. They don't make her look good. She looks like a kid 
wearing dad's suit. Yeah, it's not too much bigger, though, because Jeremy Renner is only about an inch taller than her. And he's not a big dude. Yeah, I know. It's not too much. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's just enough that you can tell it's not made for her, but not enough for everybody to realize she's not actually Ronan. I would disagree. I mean, the tracksuit mafia don't seem to have two brain cells between all of them. No, that's what I mean. They're idiots. So it's enough for idiots. I don't know. I mean, even if I uh, frankly, if she walked around with a sign saying I'm not Ronan, they would still (laughs) call her Ronan. Amy, trust the woman from North Jersey who has spent a lot of time around men in (laughs) tracksuits. Oh, I have to say, I did a count of the number of times the word bro was used in the last two episodes. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. I just had to. It's not as fun as ass shots, is it? No. It was annoying. (laughs) That's the idea. Yeah. So six for the first episode. Okay. And ten for the second. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of bros, Marvel isn't the only fandom bogged down by male voices. The world of sports commentary sorely needs women's perspectives, too. So in honor of athlete extraordinaire Kate Bishop, it is our pleasure to introduce you to the Girls Beer Sports Podcast. Hey, all you fans of the Marvelous Madams, this is Carrie from Girls Beer Sports Podcast inviting you to join me and my co-host Sarah and Lauren for a conversation with girls about beer and sports and whatever else because it's our show and we do what we want. New show every Tuesday wherever good podcasts are free. Also, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and of course Twitter at GRLS Beer Sports. So as mayhem ensues here, we get another interesting moment where Armand asks the mask dude, one of the mask dudes, do you know who I am? Right. And this is interesting because normally that's something some super wealthy privileged asshole asks somebody. But that's not what I think this was. I think what we're seeing here is the beginning of a gang war. I think he was speaking not as wealthy privileged asshole, but as the head of an organization. Possible. But now he's dead. Correct. But before he dies, he gets saved over here by Kate. And we had this entire action sequence with her and the tracksuit mafia. They really need to change their name. <laughs> it's a little on the nose. <laughs> I don't quite- think I can keep saying this name through for the next couple of weeks. I feel like I feel stupid just saying it. I have another question for you. Okay. Does Jack recognize Kate in the Ronin suit? I'm not sure. I maybe think he did. I think he did too. Mm -hmm. It's just a quick flick of the eyes, his expression. And again, Tony Dalton's fantastic. But this also means that he knows she's not the real Ronin. And that somebody else is. And the bastard takes the sword. Uh Uh-huh. What are you getting at? I have no idea. Okay, that's fair, because I have no (laughs) idea what's going to happen as well. (laughs) All I know is at the end of the show, if he's not dead, he needs to be waxed. (laughs) Painfully. 
<laughs> and this whole sequence we get with the wine bottles, great. It was like so cramped in these close quarters. It made me so nervous. Yeah. And I like the fact that we are so used to seeing the good guy just completely pummel all the bad guys in all the movies and shows that we see. Here, clearly it's a struggle for her. Oh, yeah. She's getting by just by the skin of her teeth. Yep. And by being incredibly smart and using her environment. Mm-hmm. And nothing happens next. Nothing happens with the dog. Nothing. He's not whimpering and kind of getting hurt. No, not happening. Yeah, so the guy outside the lookout managed to find the watch, but Pizza Dog saves the day. And we're skimming past because I don't want to lose my hearing with the squealing. <laughs> you know what happened. You saw the show. <laughs> <laughs> so Kate takes off with the pup. And we head back to Clinton, the kids here. I want to give a shout out to Linda Cardellini because those kids are as good and well-adjusted as they are because of their mother. Yes, absolutely. She's the polar opposite of Eleanor. Yes, absolutely. And Linda Cardellini is fantastic. She is. I love her. And while Clint's trying to get the kids ready for bed, that's when he sees the news report of Ronan on the loose. Yeah. Very effective flashback here. True. And a few added scenes as well, mm-hmm. not just the one from Endgame. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if those scenes were actually shot during Endgame and were cut. Yeah, there was probably tons of stuff on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And this is a day I think Clint has always known was going to come at some point. Yeah. So he heads out to try and figure things out. Yes. And like an idiot, Kate goes back to her own apartment in the Ronin suit. <laughs> Can we get this yeah. poor sweet boy some water, please? She gave him food. It's a shot. Oh, God, all I could think was, no, what if he's allergic to wheat? Don't you know Goldens have wheat problems? This is a fantasy show. <laughs> With a non-gluten issue dog. <laughs> It's all good. I just couldn't take the whimpering too on top of it. And she's but surprised. he was safe. But she's surprised the dog likes pizza. Of course he likes pizza. He's a dog. More than that, golden retrievers are garbage cans. Okay, well, she clearly has never had a pet. And frankly, I think she did pretty well. I think she did better than I would do. Yes, we have talked about how you can have nothing more than a fish. Yes. And I have already killed a fish. (laughs) So once again, Ms. Bishop just cannot help herself and keeps the Ronin suit on to go snooping at Armand's. Yeah, she thinks it's a get out of jail free card. (sighs) She doesn't realize the baggage that comes along with it. And it's possible that she wouldn't know. At the time when Ronan was running amok, she was probably 17, 18 years old. This is during the blip time. And that is assuming that she didn't get blipped. I just chalk it up to more young recklessness, honestly. Yes. Yes, it's both. It's ignorance and recklessness and youth in short. 
So we're heading through this mansion, and normally I would say the monogrammed butterscotch is ridiculous, but Kate acknowledges it, the ridiculousness of it, so it works. And this was a great plant, because at the time, I didn't think it was a plant. Yeah, it works really well. Frankly, the thing that I found ridiculous was that they didn't have 24-7 stuff. Yeah, that's a good call. Although he might have because he because that woman showed up to find his body and she presumably worked for him. Yes, she worked for him, but it seemed like she's coming in like her usual routine, like she's coming in now bringing him dinner. That's not how it would work with uh, that kind of richness. Yeah, I guess so. So Kate finds him dead. Looks like he was slashed with a sword. Mm-hmm. A lot of blood. Yeah, makes sense. Now, would you say it is safe to assume that the tracksuit mafia is the Russian mob? They seem Russian. Their accent, sure. Yeah, I'm basing that on the accents. And then once we, they start talking more in episode two, the lack of articles. Mm-hmm, right. So Kate gets hunted down by the tracksuits, of course. I was freaking out here waiting for Clint to show up and help. And I do want to make something very clear. This is not a damsel in distress situation. No, but she was clearly outnumbered. Yes, this is a kid who's in over her head who needs an adult. Big difference. Yes, she needed the help because she got herself into the shit. Yes. So Clint does indeed come in to save the day, pulls her into the alley, and he thinks he's going to find a dude, a grown man behind that suit nope yeah he's expecting someone who's trying to take credit for being ronin instead he finds a young kid who's way in over her head yeah i think he was also disappointed he didn't get to punch something too i think he did a fair amount of punching and the scarf was pretty useful that's true yeah you're right and you can see the difference in action like the way she was struggling with these guys and how he came in and managed to take them all out so easily the training that she has versus him it's very different yes there is a huge difference between fighting in a gym in a studio in controlled conditions versus actually being out in the shit against aliens and real superheroes yes all right so we are going to roll right on into episode two here yeah the episode basically picks up where it left off in episode one yes and if anybody was ever unclear about what fangirling looks like, this is it. No, this is not what fangirling looks like. This is sensible fangirling. <laughs> well, Kate is pretty starstruck. Yes, yes. But she did not faint. She did not scream. She did not do some very other unsuitable things. So I'd say all in all, it's a very good win. I hear that tone. This is in general, fangirl. I'm not being specific. <laughs> you know, I'm actually really happy for Clint. The way people approach him here, the way Kate fawns over him at first, because of how much shit Clint gets in both real movies and in real life fandom for being superfluous. Yeah, he does seem to be getting a lot of adulation, despite the fact that he's very uncomfortable with it. Yes. It is deserved, though. He was part of the damn team. He was very important to the events of Endgame. He is. 
But lately it seems like everybody and their mother is the world's greatest archer. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. So the two of them head back to uh, Kate's apartment where a guard dog is not. <laughs> he certainly guarded the trash that he made out of that box. Yes, despite being adorable, Goldens can do bad things. Or, in the case of my house two hours ago, they can watch their little sisters do bad things and just sit there and not alert mommy. Thanks, guys. See, your golden retriever is not a guard dog either. No, he is not. So let's not shit on pizza dogs, (laughs) shall we? So Kate inherited her apartment, and I wonder, from whom? Her dad. You think? Yeah. Not necessarily. Could have been another relative. She could have inherited the building. Maybe. I just don't want to assume. I mean, I think it's a safe guess. Okay. And it would also make sense for her to want to stay there because she got that from her dad. Okay, that's fair. And we see here that Clint is uh, kind of reluctantly impressed by all of the trophies he sees. Yeah. It seems like he likes her overall through this episode. But he's keeping this distance, like he doesn't want to show her, because clearly she is fangirling all over him. He doesn't want to encourage her. Yes. His number one concern is whether or not she's okay. Yes. He's being very fatherly. Yes. And on the flip side of it, I think this is going to really play into their relationship. She still has a little girl inside of her that very much misses her dad. Yeah. Which is understandable. Yes, and this little dummy thinks that nobody tracked her. Nobody knows who she is. (laughs) Yeah, except that her name is on the buzzer. Yep, that little chestnut. Well, she certainly got buzzed. You're proud of yourself? (laughs) You know me, I have to do this, okay? (laughs) Yes, we have said that the tracksuit mafia is comprised of complete idiots, but this wasn't exactly difficult. Yeah, true. And I don't see why they should be announcing the fact that they're attacking her before they attack her. Yeah, that's another thing, is they clearly don't care how much of a scene they make. And it's in an over-the-top way where it's like the show is telling us for a reason that they don't care how much of a scene they make. And I think they're making it very obvious for a reason. I think Mm -hmm. that the tracks in Mafia is a red herring. Oh, absolutely. Like Clint's going to say later, Church is the shift manager. They're nobody. (laughs) Yeah. So they've got their Molotov cocktails and the apartment catches fire. And my first instinct, oh my God, get the dog. He's all that matters. Which they did. Yes. Yes. Fuck the suit. Get the dog. That's my version of leave the gun, take the cannoli. Fuck the suit, take the dog. (laughs) I can understand that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so they're forced to leave it behind for the time being and hunker down. But not before they get some Avengers supplies. (laughs) She's so cute. Yeah, which is a bit of a letdown. Yeah. She is just adorable. Yeah, and... She's thinking it's going to be something cool. Instead, it's just medical supplies. (laughs) Yeah. And again, the writing here is so good when Clint says he needs to stash her somewhere. I'm not a bag of money. 
no, you're not. A bag of money would be useful to me. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to come to regret those words. But to be fair, a bag of money is always useful. Yes. No, I wouldn't say regret. He's going to eat some crow, maybe. True. Yes. So Kate's aunt is a snowbird. So they're heading over to her vacant apartment. Do you think this is a character plant? You think this is going to come back? I don't know. I'm not even sure if this is indeed her aunt's place. Why would she lie? Oh, do you think she's being lied to? That maybe her aunt's not her aunt? See what you've started? Do you see this? (laughs) This is your fault. No, because she lied to her mom about it as well. She didn't say she was at aunt so-and-so's place. Oh, I just chalk that up to she doesn't want her mother showing up there. Or she just doesn't want to tell her mother the truth the truth because she doesn't trust Jack and because of the distance already in that relationship. I would have lied too. Okay. I think she's also trying to protect her mother to a point too. She's in some deep shit right mm-hmm. now and doesn't want to get her mother involved. Right. And the most important thing here at the aunt's apartment is that the boy is comfy on the couch and he's getting water. Yes. That's the only thing that's important in this episode. That is right. People dying, mafias, you know, mass murder, none of that matters. The dog is comfy. So all Clint wants to do is get this damn suit back and get back to his kids. Yeah. So he drops her off and heads back to her apartment. And I I really like the sequence, the way he did it. How do you mean? He goes in, takes the firefighter's suit hides himself at appropriate times because he doesn't want to get recognized and he can't find the suit. Yeah, it's well done. And from this, we're also going to piece together that Grills, who we meet later, is very likely a firefighter. Yes. And he sees the little sticker on the fire truck for NYC LARPers. Now, I saw this and I knew I had heard of LARPing before. But for the life of me, I could not remember what the fuck it was until Clint gets there. (laughs) But we'll get to that. And, you know, I found myself thinking with Clint and Kate that he's not as upset about all of this as one might expect. I think there's a lot going on here. Part of it is, like we said, that he can't feel anything right now. Mm -hmm. I think... I think another part of it is he can't bring himself to get too mad at a kid. Yeah, I think that's the key. I'm also wondering, though, if there's any part of him that's like Bucky or, say, John Watson in that pilot episode of Sherlock. Does any part of him miss this? I think a part of him does miss it for sure, because he got into it very easily and quickly. I also think that because of what's going on, he's not getting too frustrated just because of how weary he is. Yeah, it's just step one, step two, going from A to B to C. Yeah. I think also part of it is just because he's sort of retired, he's trying to spend time with his family and all of that. He doesn't know how to do that, but he knows how to do this. Yeah, that's a good point. But don't worry, everybody, because we've got solid sketches of the tracksuit mafia yes and 
clearly she's not an art major. No, but we we know they have very white, doughy faces, so it's all going to be fine. I mean, it's accurate. <laughs> so she's not when, wrong. No, no, she's definitely not. But she's also not helpful at all. True. So thanks to Instagram, Flint sees that uh, Grills has his costume and he gets a little comfort. He can't help but love this sweet boy. Who wouldn't? Yeah, true. That was an adorable scene. Oh, my God. Him holding the the dog that way. He's precious. I wish my I wish my boy would do that more often, would just come to me and be adorable like that. But he doesn't because he's the most suspicious little creature on the planet. And anytime I call him over to me, he runs the other way because he assumes I am going to clean his ears or brush his teeth. (laughs) The way you torture him, I tell you. I know. I'm such a bitch taking good care of him. Yes, indeed. Give him pizza. Maybe then he'll come to you. <laughs> so it's time for Clint to say goodbye to the kids and head out on his own. And I love this scene between the kids. It's such a family moment. Yeah, the, the dynamic, it feels real. Yeah, I love the older brother. I may be an idiot, but I've got seniority. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, the number one rule, don't lose Nate. <laughs> and then they lose Nate. <laughs> And, you know, we talked about Ava Russo earlier. Again, a great job here. It adds her performance and Lila's character. It adds another layer to this. It is very stressful and difficult to be the child of a cop or a firefighter, a military member who's in danger, let alone, you know, a superhero who's saving the world. She clearly feels the strain of this more than her brother, her older brother. Nate's too, yes. too little. He, he doesn't know any better. Yes, clearly. And I should say the same thing goes for Laura, for Linda Carlini, who is absolutely Clint's rock. It's not an easy life to be constantly worried. And there comes a point where you have to keep that worry out of your mind entirely and just not even think about them or what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also really liked uh, the inclusion of sign language here with Nate. Yeah, he's learning sign language because of his dad which is really sweet yeah he's an adorable little kid he is that hair he really does look like he has a mop on his head (laughs) and then i love the button on this scene of clint quietly telling his daughter of course you're in charge take care of the boys (laughs) (laughs) yeah he knows how to deal with his kids for sure yes and he knows them very well yes so now we head back to Kate at her aunt's apartment. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a dog, not a college student. Will you stop with the pizza? Give him a hamburger at least. Hey, give her a break. She's gone through a lot, okay? <laughs> well, she's about to go through more because now she discovers that she is a suspect, the suspect in Armin's death. Because guess what, kiddo? Somebody saw you. Yeah. And... Clint is still trying to do some damage control over there. And she's insisting that she needs to get to work. Yeah, I do love her honesty here. When Clint's trying to tell her what to do, and when it comes to listening, I want to, but no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta respect the honesty. Yeah, I like it. 
you got to respect that. And also they didn't play into the trope of, okay, sure, I'll do what you say. And then the minute he walks out, she runs out. Right. That's a good point. Yep. And then they create another complication out of that. Yeah, because that would put her on the annoying side, you know? Exactly. And she isn't. She's not that stupid. No. So Clint's basically escorting her to work here. And that's when she sees he's got the hearing aid and asks, what happened? I love this montage. <laughs> hey, it's it's true. It's accurate. Oh, it's yeah. understandable. Absolutely. And, you know, with the little drummer boy playing in the background, this is the part that gave me Die Hard vibes. Right. It's the same in Die Hard with the Ode to Joy just playing softly in the background at various times for effect throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at this point that I thought to myself, Amy has found her soulmate, regardless of the age difference. As soon as Kate said to Clint, your problem is branding. You're right. (laughs) Although I wouldn't say soulmate. I'd say if she was my child, I would be very proud. (laughs) Oh, and the next thing we hear from her, I held my fucking breath. When she told Clint that he's too low key, <laughs> I did not know how Clint would react. Maybe, kiddo, you want to pick another adjective next time? <laughs> That's not a button you want to push. Yeah, I mean, you can see where she's coming from. And yes. clearly, she's studied him really well because she, he is her favorite Avenger. And he's basically just humoring her at this point. Yes. But she is spot on in her analysis about Clint's layers of armor. Yeah, she is. And dude, I'm sorry. I know you've been through hell. I know you got a lot going on. But what is this flip phone? What are we doing here? Yeah, that's true. But I do feel like he probably has lost too many fancy phones and all the stuff that's going on. Maybe it's just cheaper that way. That's a fair point. Because the last time we saw him with a phone, it was right before the compound was destroyed in Endgame when his wife was calling him. Yeah. And that time he had a smartphone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, kid, emergencies only or I'll block and delete you. I love how matter-of-factly he says that. (laughs) Yeah. But she's not taking that seriously. Oh, God, no. No, no. So Kate heads into work, her mother's security firm, Bishop Security. Now, I wonder, was this the father's firm and the mother took it over or... Because it's Bishop Security. It's her father's name. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. Because it makes sense that it could be the dad's that mom took over. But another part of it could also be that she's she started the firm in response to the conversation that happened at the funeral. You know, about security and protecting each other and all of that. Maybe. And the reason why she used Bishop is because it's a name that is recognized. Clearly, he was the one with, with the money. Okay. And old money at that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was the one who grew up there and she didn't grow up rich. We know that. Right. And again, Vera Farmiga's performance here, she makes Eleanor so unknowable. It's great. I don't know what Eleanor is actually feeling here because she seems like she feels bad for Jack. But at the same time, if she was having all of these difficulties with Armand, You'd think she'd be relieved right now. I think she's also playing her cards very close to her chest. 
And it's possible that she doesn't want Jack to know that she's relieved. I don't know. And this is the other moment where I feel Eleanor has a major underreaction in regards to the fire at Kate's apartment. Yeah. And also, she doesn't seem to be wondering where her daughter spent the night. If there was a fire in her apartment, wouldn't it make sense for her to come back to her mom's place? Yeah. Like, if that's my kid, we're going to be sitting down for a long conversation with a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Irrespective of the fact that whether she knows what Kate was up to or not, and just the fact that her house burnt down, and even if she wasn't in the house, it's concerning. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't think I could hate a character more than I hated John Walker. And then Jack made his little stepdad speech. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, obviously this guy is a phony. I'm just wondering... On how many levels? All the levels. I don't know if the mustache is even real. (laughs) He had that mustache on Better Call Saul, so I kind of think it is. (laughs) No, I'm saying for Jack. I know. I think that mustache is real, is what I'm saying. It's probably the only real thing about him. Yeah, yeah. I'm at the point where I don't even know if his real name is Jack. Yeah, Jack what? I assumed Jack Duquesne because that's Armand's last name and he's Armand's nephew. Could be from the mother's side. Let's see what IMDb has to say. Jack Duquesne. Ha! Okay. There's just so much under the surface here. I can't wait to get to it. I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. And yeah, that book thing, it grated on my nerves. I felt like taking the book and shoving it down his throat. (laughs) You can go down his throat. I'll go up his ass with it. As I said, we'll meet in the middle. Fantastic. (laughs) You know what else this episode really made clear? What? Somebody at Marvel really likes Ren Fairs. (laughs) Yeah, this was a fun sequence. Oh my God. This was fucking amazing. I could watch this all day. And Jeremy Renner did a good job of playing along and looking so pissed off. You know what? (laughs) I'm going to say he probably wasn't acting. That's the kind of vibe I get from Jeremy Renner in regards to this type of thing. (laughs) Yeah, so for those like me who either didn't know or just couldn't remember what LARP meant, live action role play. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a thing. That uh, some people take a little too seriously. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a great outlet for a lot of people. I'm not knocking it. It's just, you know, it cool it a little for some. Um, but <laughs> I really love that it's two women who are introducing Clint to this. That he has to be educated by women on what this is. Yeah, that's true. And he does it in a way where... Even though he clearly doesn't want to be there, he's not being condescending about it. No, he is being absolutely respectful. Yes. And I shall hear no arguments about what I have to say now. This is the greatest Marvel fate sequence ever that we have ever gotten, that we ever will get. I could just watch this on repeat. Okay. I think this is too much Marvel for you. I think you need a break. <laughs> you know, this music sounded very Games of Throny to me. Did it trigger you? Why would you say that? (laughs) Because I had to deal with the dog. Suffer. Suffer as I have suffered. 
No, it did not trigger me. So <laughs> suck it. <laughs> and after this quote unquote fight sequence is over, this speech is fantastic. I wrote it down word for word. I can take this pretend sword and you pretend to die and take that suit. Or I'm going to real punch you and you're going to real fall down and I'm going to take that suit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) Clint does not mince words. No, he doesn't. And he has zero patience. Yeah. But But he still has to go through some some stuff he does and i also love that his ego almost doesn't let him take the dive and get killed yeah <laughs> I <fought Thanos. laughs> at this point i think he would probably want to fight thanos again then go through that you know what i think you're right and uh credit to this guy clayton english playing grills he's great yeah he is and I swear, I could close my eyes and think that was Dave Chappelle talking, too. It sounded just like him. Okay. Yes. So Clint falls in the trial by combat and gets the Ronin suit back. Yes. For shame. For shame. Yes. And then we see uh, Kate facing some real world consequences here because she is wanted for questioning by the police. Yeah. But we don't know for what. I mean, she is clearly afraid but it seems at this point that the cops only want to speak to her about the fire so in this case she's actually a victim i don't know i don't know about that and we also see jack lurking in the background jack should stay lurking and maybe you know die while he's lurking (laughs) but yeah i think that we're going to see more of that detective uh moving forward Let's see what happens. Maybe. Maybe. I think you're right because I don't think they would have introduced it otherwise. Yes. And they wouldn't have given him that much screen time if he wasn't going to play a part. True. So Clint's back on the move here. He's talking to Laura. And I love this relationship. These two are solid. Yeah. And he is honest with her. She knows everything. Mm -hmm. She is his confidant. Yes. And he needs that. And for the moment, he is hiding the Ronin suit in an anonymous locker at the train station. Yeah. Let's see what happens with that. How much do you want to bet that by the time he goes back to get it, it's gone? Oh, I think there's a good chance of that. Yeah. So he has a plan. Catch and release. Yep. But before he can enact that plan, we've got to go to dinner. Where Jack can just shut the fuck up about his risotto. See, that's another thing. It would be unusual for Jack or any of the family members to be cooking. They should be having their own personal chefs doing the work for them. Now, see, I chalk that up to look what a great guy I am. Like like Kate says, oh, he cooks, he's this, he's that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. This is him laying it on thick. Yeah, clearly. A bit too thick. Yeah. And I love this whole sequence. What a great chess match going on between Jack and Kate. Yeah, and that's saying something because Kate is a kid. He should be running circles around her. Yes, but I also think Kate is being very rash here. Yes, agreed. And that's her immaturity, her naivety showing. 
Yes, I think Jack is an extremely dangerous person and that it is unwise to let him know just how much she distrusts him and suspects him. Mm -hmm. Do you think he's the big bad of the show, of the season? I don't know. I don't know enough yet, but he is the most infuriating prick of the show. How's that? Is that good enough for now? (laughs) That's good enough for now. He is that perfectly condescending phony asshole who gaslights. Yeah. Yeah. He manages to make Kate look like the bad guy. Classic villain. And that's why I think, is the mother a total moron who's snowed by this guy? Or is she a villain who's in on whatever Jack is doing? I don't think so. I don't think she's the villain who's in on what Jack is doing. But I definitely think that it's surprising that she's not being able to read her daughter and that's the key with their relationship they're just so distant from each other she clearly can't connect and figure out what's going on with Kate at all yeah and I think another example of Kate's immaturity here is when Eleanor tells her she's not a superhero you see it on her face Kate looks hurt by that statement yeah she wants to be a superhero oh yeah Again, major shades of Peter Parker here, though she's way more reckless because she doesn't have superpowers. True. And we also see that her mother has had her whole life planned out for her. Yeah, that grated me a bit. Uh Uh-huh. It's almost like, all right, I let you have your archery. I let you have all this. I let you do what you want. And now come and do the sensible thing. Yeah, and that's also like Shang-Chi, right? The dad had his plan, and now he wanted his son to come and take over. And, you know, I think this happens a lot in these kinds of privileged families of, you know, that idea of legacy and duty, that you're just going to come into the family fold and do as we say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know my life was planned out before I could even take my first step. Yeah. And that's why I love Kate's reaction when her mother tells her to apologize. Sorry for scaring you into telling the truth. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love the way she did that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And her mom's reaction in the background was fantastic. Yep. (laughs) So after Jack uh, changes his clothes, he has a peace offering for Kate. Yeah. Do you think that was intentional? No. Oh. I hadn't thought of that. Uh Uh-huh. You might be right about that. And she gave herself away. Mm Mm-hmm. Major Spider-Man homecoming vibes there. How so? When Peter realizes the truth about Tombs. Yeah. But in this case, we knew that Tombs knew about Peter and vice versa. Does Jack know about Katie? Kate. Sorry. Just does Jack know about Kate? I'm glad you called her Katie by accident because... That pisses yeah, her off. Yeah. And I think Correct. I think that's because her father called her Katie. Oh, did he? I'm betting he did. And that's why she doesn't but want we didn't any see that. No, that's just my assumption that the reason she doesn't want to be called Katie is because her father was the one who called her that. And it, I mean, it could also be like, you know, Katie is more uh, would be considered more affectionate or childish as opposed to Kate. It could be. I mean, the distance. Yeah, it could be. But maybe I'm projecting because I hate it when occasionally anybody, including my husband, a couple of times, like called me Chrissy as a joke. And I was like, don't, because my grandpa 
was the only one who ever called me Chrissy. Okay. Who knew butterscotch could be so nefarious? <laughs> I would love a butterscotch personally. But yeah, you have me wondering. I don't know. I mean, what if he was there and she just didn't see him? That's assuming he was the one who killed Armand. Yeah. All good points. And they have me guessing. I didn't think this would be the show that had me guessing this much. To be fair, I've been the one who's, who's been egging you on a little bit. But you're right about these things. Because at first I didn't think it was intentional at all, looking at his face. But now I'm not sure. In fact, I looked at it in exactly the opposite way. Looking at his face, I thought, what if it is intentional? The faux, instant look. Right. Butterscotch? Now, I definitely thought after that from her reaction, oh, he knows. Mm-hmm. And what are we going to do about this now? Right. So Kate takes off and we head to Clint here, who is in the process of getting himself caught. Yeah. And he can clearly see through the bag. Yes. <laughs> now, now, another question for you, my dear. When one of the tracksuits said to the other, that sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, doesn't it? <laughs> one tracksuit is in the tracksuit. <laughs> when one of the guys said she wants him alive, did you think we were going to be getting an appearance from the queen bitch herself? No, I did not. In fact, I did not catch that line. Okay. I thought we were going to see Val, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Okay. I'd give it a little more time. Okay. So while Clint is getting caught here, Kate is trying to reach him. She can't. And tracks him through her mother's company, the security portal. Yeah, she tracks him to the tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, oh, kiddo, what are you doing? You're going to ruin everything. And so far, it seems like she has. Oh, yeah, and he's not going to thank her for it. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Yeah, and you know, this situation that Clint finds himself in, great homage to the Avengers, to Natasha in the warehouse with the Russian, thinking he's interrogating her. Yes, absolutely. And you have to love criminals complaining about gentrification. <laughs> There's no good warehouses anymore. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and we just get such great exchanges. Can I speak to your manager? This is like talking to furniture. <laughs> yeah he's like so done like can i just like fast forward get through this whole thing yeah just a to b to c that's all he wants to do yeah and while clint is vehemently denying he knows who kate bishop is she falls through the roof to save the day literally in his lap yeah. <laughs> and oh no she didn't know they needed to bring guns yes Yes. And this is where she diverges from Peter Parker, because like I said, one, Peter has superpowers. Two, Tony was very much at fault and responsible for a lot of Peter's mistakes in um, Spider-Man mm -hmm. Homecoming. Here, that's not the case. Clint barely knows this girl. He told her what to do and what not to do. She's the one who chose not to listen. She is massively overstepping here. Yes, she is. And it's completely 100% her own doing. Yes. So it turns out she is not Val. She is a woman we've never seen before. A girl we've yes. never seen before. Yes. So it's possible that she's Echo from the comics. 
Okay. This character is played by a newcomer actress named Alakwa Cox. Uh, she's a teenager. She is also deaf. She is an amputee with a prosthetic leg. And she is a Native American who grew up on an Indian reservation. And may I say how refreshing it is to see her on a screen. Yeah. And I absolutely fell in love with her the moment I saw her. Teenager. Yes, I know. I did not know that at the time. <laughs> so I, now I feel like I need to shower for a different reason. Oh boy. As the woman who just became legally bound to Amy last week, this makes me a tad nervous. I would like to clarify legally bound as business partners. <laughs> She's still married. <laughs> and I am still 100% very, very single. <laughs> and not a criminal. Yes. Or a pedophile. Which is a criminal. Yes, which is clarifying. <laughs> I could be a criminal in other ways. <laughs> so wrapping this up for today, do you have any thoughts besides what we've discussed? Any thoughts on where the hell this show's going? Because I got nothing. No, but I definitely want Clint to have a happy ending at the end of the season. I cannot deal with a non-happy ending. Me too. Me too. And I will say, honestly, I was not excited about this show as a marvel fan yes of course i'm gonna watch it but i wasn't super excited the way i was for the others but damn am i impressed i'm loving this show i cannot wait for episode three yeah me too i am certainly looking forward to it i don't know what comes but i know it's gonna be fun and with that said thanks to all you madams for joining us today i'm madam chris and i'm madam amy Join us next week for episode three of Fall Guy. And I hope for your sanity, Pete's dog is safe and sound. And wearing his little bows. I've seen the bows in the trailer. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> in the meantime, if you want to share your thoughts, your theories, your speculations and conspiracies, find us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And people, if we hear from you on social media... We might just ask you to be a part of our Hawkeye Listener Roundtable episode in January. Yeah, those are a lot of fun. And check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. <laughs>